He's to the 45. He's oh, to he's the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in the midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm yours, Kami. I'm Robin, joined by Melissa Trebwasser. Nailed it. Yes, I, I said it. it. I, see, I got it wrong, and then we talked about it, and, you know, I I, tr- I tried to remember so hard in my brain, and, you know, I, I was ready the second time around. Listen, in this era of world, remembering how to say my last name should not be taking up brain space for you. So please don't <laughs> worry about it again until you need to. I'm, I am far from offended. Oh, I feel it. I feel I feel that so much. Um, of course, Melissa's from Frogs of War. We've got a game this Saturday. OU's 13 and a half point favorite over oh, unders. It's OU. gone up. <laughs> yeah, it has. Yeah. Uh, and over under is 65. Uh, a lot, lots of lots of moving and shaking, lots of hammering on buttons. But my first question, I guess, is because I don't care about Baylor. And I know how you, I know how the t- I know how a lot of fan bases in particular TCU feels about Baylor. But when OU and because I, I wanted to ask you and first and foremost, because I just never did when the news broke. When OU in Texas, that news all came out and they it was saying, hey, they're packing up their bags and moving to the SEC. What was not necessarily TCU, but what was your knee-jerk reaction to all those events that were going to transpire? Maybe not next year, but the year following. Who knows? Well, I think, you know, and I asked Jack about this in our Q&A this week, too, is that my first thought was, OU, I mean, I don't like it, but I get it. And then, oh, how cute that Texas is riding their coattails once again. Um, I I just, I, I find it so... And, you know, we got just an absolute barrage of Texas fans coming to Frogs of War just to, you know, the same Texas fans that were talking about what a joke the SEC was and how they couldn't believe that Texas A&M left for them, blah, blah, blah. And now immediately are like, oh, yes, the SEC, where we rightfully belong, um, even though that their record over the last 10 years is is it's considerably worse than TCU's. Um, Listen, like we all know where college football is heading. Um, We know where the blue blood programs are going to be whether they win or don't win um texas is going to always be a name in the sport because they have more money than god um and they like to flaunt much like a billionaire like to flaunt their wealth without actually without actually doing anything important with it so um I, i think that it was inevitable as a tcu fan my first thought was oh shit we're screwed. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of still where I am. I, I like the new Big 12, quote unquote, as a conference. I think it's a really, really fun football conference. I also think that um, I don't know how long it's going to be financially stable, but I don't think it matters. I mean, it's going to get us to the next round of realignment. And that's where we're going to see the SEC form a NFL minor league uh, where kids are going to start majoring in professional sports. And, you know, they're going to be doing they're going to have their own postseason. They're going to do their own tournament. It, it feels inevitable that that college athletics as we know it is changing. Um, but as somebody who also 
follow sports that aren't football. Um, I have a lot of concerns for the non-revenue sports, for things like baseball, mm. for women's sports. Um, you know, I look at what TCU football brought to the rest of the athletics department financially. And I'm afraid that, you know, if that 30 something million dollars a year drops down to 17, is that going to hurt our beach volleyball program? Is that going to hurt our women's soccer program? Uh, those are the things that, that concern me. But at the end of the day, like, what are you going to do? Right. I mean, it, we have no control right. over what happens. We're just going to enjoy the ride while we can. And when things change, we'll change. It reminds me of, honestly, it even reminds me of, you made a great point. It reminds me of primarily like soccer over mm -hmm. in Europe where they have like Manchester United, like minor leagues for like kids growing up. And they just like focus them on one avenue since like they're 13 years old and force them into these kind of like basically sports academies right uh like you just mentioned about the sec becoming essentially like a minor league like if, if that's that that's a really it's a really good comparison i really appreciate that and so going off of that is a totally unrelated question does gary patterson have the largest and most effective sweat glands on planet earth yeah, or always... does he just not care for antiperspirant deodorant Listen. Listen, here's the thing. I expect this kind of thing from Texas fans because they're seven and three against TCU. You have dominated this series. You don't need to go for the low hanging fruit. You are better than that. You are better than us. Um, here's the thing. Coming into this fall, Gary was looking like fire. He lost some weight. He was mm -hmm. looking really good. Like, I was so happy for him. I was happy for his health. You know, he's getting ready for his post-coaching career, music career. He's got to look good on stage. He's kind of got a country-western vibe. So mm -hmm. I don't know if he's trying to bust out the Wranglers. I don't know what's happening. Um, but the, the football season will wear on a man. And um, it's it's wearing on him now. I think, look, I've spent a lot of time on the sidelines at Amon G. Carter Stadium as a photographer. It is hot and miserable down mm. there. If Gary, I, I would love to have a person who followed me around with a sweat towel. So if you've got the money and the power and the influence, by all means, Gary, get, get yourself a sweat towel person. Um, not always a girl. It doesn't always have to be a, a girl, Gary, but um, get yourself a, someone with a, with a sweat towel to follow you around. I feel like that'd be kind of a cool thing to have. What is in, in honestly, what, what is the temperature of his seat uh, going forward as TCU's head coach? I mean, like, because, when I think about TCU, I think of, of course, Ladanian Tomlinson, but I also think of Andy, Dal Andy Dalton and, and the Rose Bowl, and I think of how he brought TCU to the to prominence. And hell, they they own them and Baylor single handedly kicked OU's ass and owned the Big Twelve for a minute. And so, what is the fan and general reaction to Gary Patterson now? as opposed to what it was maybe, I don't know, seven years ago. Well, seven years ago, the man could do no wrong. And, you know, four years ago, I think, there was a statue erected of him in front of the stadium. Now, mind mm -hmm. you, he did not want that statue. That was the dying wish of a major donor. Um, he fought back against it, but at the end of the day, like, if this is what this, if this dude wanted to see the statue erected, you'll let him see the statue erected. That's just the way it is. Um, I, it, it's so complicated. Um, when you look at, it, these longtime coaches like Bill Snyder and, um, you know, like uh, some of the other, I'm trying to think of some of the other names that were around just maybe a little too long. Uh, I don't know if Gary is there yet outside of the fact that 
coming into the season, he said, I'm really glad I'm not 31. I'm not 31 instead of being 61 with all the changes that are coming. And that's the off the field stuff. That's the way that recruiting has changed. It's the way that NIL is changing the game. Um, it's, it's the way that college football looks year round compared to how it looked even just a handful of years ago. And so, um, you know, Patterson has through the years rubbed people the wrong way and, and often for good reason. But at the end of the day, he not single-handedly, but he has been as big of a reason that TCU has grown the way that it has, both in the way that the campus looks, the way that the athletics facilities mm -hmm. look, the way that the amount of applications and the types of students that they're able to bring in a more well-rounded student body, the amount of scholarships that they're So much of this comes back to TCU football. And as somebody who's from California, who was one of five people in my freshman class way back in um, that I'm not going to say how old I am. Um, but, uh, you know, that there was like five people for my class and now there's 500 annually. I, I mean, it's that started with the Rose Bowl. And it, it really is amazing to see how just the, the outside appearance of a university can look based on one or two or five good football seasons. So is Gary Patterson ever going to be shown the door for his on the field results? No, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, I also don't see him coaching when he's 70 years old. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't think he had any intention of staying past his current contract when that expires, I think in 2024. Um, but the thing that's going to be interesting is Jeremiah Donati going to sit him down at the end of the season and say, your seat is as safe as you want it to be, but you need to make some changes on your staff because what's been working, what's been happening for the last four years isn't going to cut it for us anymore. Um, I don't think his seat is hot, but I do think that there'll be a tough conversation at the end of the season about some of the guys that he's had around for 20, 30, 40 years, not 40, but 20 or 30 years that just don't seem to be getting it done anymore. That sounds like Bob Stoops before he hired Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Like to a T. Like resting, like and, and not not to say Gary Passion let rest on his laurels, but that's what that's what Bob did. Uh, but that this that that describes the Bob Stoops before prior to 2015. I mean his the 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 turnover in staff and everything, and yeah, it's so interesting. But so let's talk about Gary Patterson and Lincoln Riley in tandem together. Um. Just like things you may want to talk about about Lincoln Riley and his QB situation or air quotes situation uh, that we 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 want to, we want to allude to. Uh, why is Gary Patterson also suggesting Max Zach and like and like basically his starting QB running back and wide receivers will be out for Saturday when we all know the truth on both sides of the ball. Or is there, or is there any truth to any of that? Well, the, the truth of the matter is, Quentin Johnson is definitely questionable. I mean, he did not play last week against Texas Tech. He right. left against Texas early. Uh, TCU was without two starting linemen last week at Tech, and John Lands and uh, Wes Harris. Wes Harris has not been able to stay healthy at all, which has been so unfortunate over the course of his career. Um, and then apparently, we lost seven more guys over the course of that game. That Zach didn't play the second half. Zach's going to play on Saturday, and I fully expect Max to play. Um, this is two of the most paranoid coaches in the conference, if not the country, 
kind of playing a weird game of anything you can hide, I can hide better. Um, but nobody's hiding anything from uh, anybody. Like, I'm sorry, but if you watched the Red River rivalry, you know damn well that Caleb Williams is starting and Lincoln Riley would be a moron to not start him. And Lincoln Riley is not a moron. And if you're TCU, like Max Duggan played that whole game. Like all of a sudden he's banged up. Like they are putting right. that dude in a crowd genic chamber in between saturdays but also remember qb2 is probably chandler morris there's a little relationship there i well of course no qb2 is technically uh, matthew downing but we all know it's actually chandler right. morris um so I, I don't know if this is just really like silly gamesmanship by gary patterson or i, I mean trying to get an edge like I, I don't know really what the goal of this is other than gary making the point heading into the toughest game of the season saying oh look at all of our important players are kind of banged up guys so if this doesn't go well well i told you they were kind of banged up so uh which you know what like go ahead and get some excuses out ahead of this thing i don't mind whatsoever 13 and a half point underdogs so you're telling me that Oklahoma didn't need journalists uh, with binoculars from another tower to see who was going to be taking reps as the first quarterback at Oklahoma? Is that what you're telling me? What I'm telling you is that Lincoln <laughs> Riley didn't need to be upset by that. Like, my God, man, like, we do we not sit here and complain in this country about the amount of fake news that there is? And then you get some young, the next generation of reporters trying to go up there and do their job with some research and you're going to erase them. We've seen this with Schefter and in, in the, in the, the Bruce Allen emails, right? Like at the end of the day, sports, especially, and I have such strong feelings on this sports, especially is such a buddy, buddy system. We see mm -hmm. this at TCU as bad as anywhere in the country. And there's one person who's on the ends in the TCU football program. I'm not going to name names. There's a beat reporter who, who just is trying to do his job and has to fight and claw for any information. And then there's the rest of us and the amount of hoops that I had to jump through to get frogs of war credentialed. And now the amount of hoops that I feel like I have to jump through to keep them credentialed. We are setting people up for failure here. Like, there, when you don't feel like you can be honest doing your job because you don't feel that you're treated as somebody who matters in their position, like uh, you and I are teachers, we work in education, we spent the mm -hmm. last year doing that, right? Like, treated mm -hmm. being treated like we didn't matter. So, um, we are really setting a precedent for something negative. And here's the deal like, I understand why Gary Patterson is paranoid. He has been the little sisters of the poor, he's had to fight and claw for every advantage, you know, up until recently. Like, is it does he need to not really but does he still think that he needs to sure the dude's also in his 60s like he's an old school guy lincoln riley has an advantage every single time he steps on the field and his advantage is he's just better than you his players are better than you he's a better coach than you it doesn't mean that he's going to lose or he's never going to lose but like you're really gonna cancel all media availability because a couple of 20 year old kids found a tiny tiny window to see into your practice that you like and, and report the thing that everybody already knew like that, that's, that's just shitty, man. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like Lincoln Riley should be better than that. Like it, it was completely unnecessary to cancel the availability. Like don't slap those kids on the wrist. Like they deserve uh, to, to do their jobs. And if you're not going to give them access and they can find a creative way to do so where they're not breaking any laws. The, good on the, them. the messages, the, t the texts I got from the folks that were working um, at the daily were, ranged from hey look what we did to 
oh my God, now we're not going to get any answers from Lincoln Riley for the rest of the season that are like not yes or no answers or something just like not like basically anything with substance is out the door is what they fear of Lincoln Riley. And like, and like we've talked about, we, we talked about this earlier. You said like Lincoln Riley kind of turning into Gary Patterson as far as keeping things too close to your chest. And that's, that's not like even Bob Stoops, like, Lincoln Riley's becoming Bob Stoops in the fact that like he kind of like keeps everything close to his chest and is now shrinking and not giving anything to the media when that necessarily wasn't the case when he first became the head coach at OU. So it was just really, 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 really interesting as far as that. And it's just, you know, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's, I, I think it's interesting considering how the students had to go about finding out despite the fact that we all knew like as soon as we saw as soon as the game ended Saturday we knew who was going to be the like there's no turning back we yeah. knew who's going to be the starting quarterback for TCU like you don't have to go and spy out of a window and but the fact that it was brought out and like specifically mentioned that the idea of binoculars and looking into practice I think that's what got them but at the same time, as a journalist, you would want to establish validity, credibility, et cetera. So I totally get that from their point as well. Um, here, I mean, here would be the thing that I would ask. Which programs tend to be the ones that are the most locked down? Because Nick Saban, from what I – and I don't know, like, the ins and outs of, of his beat reporters and local guys, but he – invites a lot of people to practices and he lets a lot of coaches come through and, and that dude goes through assistance pretty much annually. Cause all of his guys go get bigger jobs. Like if, if he's okay, letting people have information, like why are the rest of you acting like you're, you're hiding some huge secret that's going to give you the advantage. Like do what the guy that's winning does not, not what the guys that aren't. And it's so interesting in comparison to the basketball pro program because OU's basketball program has always been like forthcoming and transparent and saying, that, yeah, we have open practices. If you want to come join and watch, yeah, come join and watch. Whereas OU, I mean, they've already got like 15 foot high bushes covering their practice field besides the fact that they have their own indoor facility that they keep on making improvements now, like I'm expecting like a hundred foot tree, redwood forest trees to be erected across the, the damn practice field just so they can offer that offer that more veil of not allowing people to see inside those practices. I'll make one more point on this. So you and I are both in education, right? Mm -hmm. And so universities, I understand that we think everything revolves around football, but at the end of the day, these are educational institutions. And and what does Oklahoma brag about educationally, right? All their road scholars, right? Like this is a, a big, like they, they care about education. Education is very, very important to them. If you were at a teaching hospital, and the surgeon, like the surgery residents, it was time to go to surgery. And the main surgeon said, okay, guys, um, I'm going to go ahead and close these blinds because I don't want you to see what's about to happen. Like, what are you teaching them? They're not learning anything. And so right. to me, the people that you should be the most open with, and, and obviously there's some maturity and things have to come along with this, but 
your school reporters should be the ones that are getting the best education when it comes to how to do their jobs around your athletic programs or your news programs. And um, I will say that TCU, I think, does a really good job of getting giving students opportunities to, to really shine in those programs. But at the end of the day, instead of treating the, the young reporters, your, your student reporters, like they're just kids, treat them like the people that are going to be carrying the flag in the next generation and give them an opportunity to get really, really good at their jobs because that's what we're supposed to be doing is, is giving young people an opportunity to learn and be great. And instead of making them jump through all these ridiculous hoops, to say, hey, we're going to hold open practice. It's only going to be for this amount of time. And there are certain things we don't want you to see. But if you gave them a little bit of access and let them report honestly from there without having to worry about having their credentials pulled or media availability being canceled, I bet you'd get a lot better product overall. And it'd be really, really great for your program too. The one like one of the texts I got was, Morabian, how screwed are we? And I was, <laughs> I was like, dude... I'm You're really screwed. worried. I'm worried about your next media, media availabilities, maybe for the next couple of weeks. But so sooner fans know about Max Duggan. We know about Zach Evans and, and, and how, how much he's contributed to TCU. Um, tell me about other guys that sooner folks actually don't know much about, may not be aware of as much because their names aren't popping off on highlights on Saturdays. Yeah, so, you know, when, when Zach Evans kind of took a step back, to use a Gary Patterson song lyric, um, on Saturday against Texas Tech, <laughs> sorry, can't help myself, um, Kendra Miller is is the kind of, he's almost like a 1B uh, starting running back, super, super talented dude, um, looks like he's 40, which just really surprised me, we haven't talked to Kendra, and so when he came on the press conference, it's like, that dude's like 19, 20 years old, cool, um, so he, he had an amazing performance, he actually had a better diet than Zach did in that game. Super fast, really physical runner. Um, now, Texas Tech is hot garbage defensively, right. especially. But um, he's an impressive kid who's had big games against better teams, too. So he's somebody to keep an eye on. At the wide receiver core, oh, my God, what a mess this has been. Um, with Quentin Johnston potentially not going to play. I think he will, but you, you can't say that for sure. J.D. Spielman also has been banged up. He's an important part. But you still have Darius Davis, who is a big play threat. And Tay Barber, who's once again become the most reliable wide receiver on, on TCU's team. And that dude just runs really good routes. He makes good plays. He understands how to make plays happen after the catch. And he's someone that Max Duggan trusts. And, and Lord knows with Max Duggan's struggles, um, having a receiver he can trust is important. I've also been really impressed with Blair Conright. He hasn't had a ton of opportunities, but when he has, he's looked really, really good. He was a guy that, at the beginning of his freshman season we thought was going to be a superstar kind of cooled off, um, you know, hit the wall a little bit, but has, has been really good so far this season. And if Savion Williams and Max Duggan could get on the same page, Savion is just a bigger, stronger version of Quentin Johnston. Um, he's a guy that just like has not quite connected the dots, but if he ever figures it out, I'm really excited about him. Um, I guess I should, I'll throw one more in there. I'm sure I'm going through our entire wide receiving core did not mean to do so, but um, I'd be remiss to not mention uh, sticks Brown, uh, had his first touchdown against Texas Tech. That dude, um, like if he turns sideways, you can't see him anymore. Um, but but if he's he's one of those guys, like when Gary Patterson says, oh, there's 20, 25 guys being contacted by the SC, by SEC teams, he is absolutely on that list. Like, mm. I don't think it's 20 guys, but I definitely think that Sticks is is one of them. Uh, Quincy Brown is, is, is his his actual name. But um, so, yeah, so there, there's still some guys on offense, but like, is there anybody that scares you? No, because like, what has TCU's offense done so far this season? A whole lot of nothing, not named Zach Evans and Kendra Miller. So we'll see. 
And and tell me about TCU's defense. I mean, that 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 was their bell cow coming into the Big 12. And I mean, I'm not saying TCU's defense by any means is hot garbage because we've had plenty of teams in the in the conference that we can allude to that are definitely certainly hot garbage. But it feels like TCU may not have necessarily taken a step backwards, but it seems like they definitely haven't lived up to lived up to their expectations of, of former years. Oh no, no, we've taken a massive step backwards. Um, this this might not be hot garbage if you want to compare it amongst the Big Twelve. It is for a TCU defense, but it's like lukewarm garbage at best. Like th- <laughs> this defense, we all thought was going to be like at least okay. I mean, you lose Trayvon Merrick, you lose our Darius Washington, two of the best safeties in the country for the last three years. Sure, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve here, but you brought in TJ Carter from Memphis. You've got Nook Bradford and, and LaKendrick Van Zant and uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, guys who have played a lot of football. THC has been awesome. Um, he's been really, really good across from him. Oh my God. Like, and I hate, I hate, these are still kids. I hate to call guys out by name. But we have taken to calling our friend CJ Caesar, CJ Caesar salad, because that's about as much um, uh, opposition as he puts up. And uh, like, I am so afraid that if Riley gets Marvin Mims schemed up against CJ, that like, like he may never recover. Like he might never, like Mm. that might just be the end. So now that dude has more confidence. You will never see a player ever celebrate a a 10 yard over his head wide receiver in completion more. (laughs) And, and then look like when he gets completely, totally mossed one play later, look around like, where was my help? Uh, I, I love the I love right. the kid. I really do. I want him to be great. He's just not. Um, but, you know, it really all, like as bad as the secondary has been, and it's been bad, it all starts up front. And the defensive line has, I don't know how else to put it other than disappointing. Um, you know, Kari Coleman is back. He looks like he's close to 100%. With him back, Oshawn Mathis is not getting the double and triple teams he was earlier in the season. So the pass rush has improved, but the middle of the line has been an absolute sieve so far mm-hmm. this season. And with Corey Bethley missing the last two games, it has been very, very obvious just what an impact he's had. I thought defensive tackle was going to be a, a position of strength for TCU. It has been an absolute weakness, which is really, really unfortunate because when you inevitably get past that first line of defense, the linebacking core has been uh, just really bad. And we have not seen bad linebackers at TCU since. I mean, you have to kind of go back before the Rose Bowl years to find to find a pair, a duo that just didn't perform. Um, D. Winters is doing everything that he can, but next to him, we thought Joy Hodge would be the guy. He hasn't really shown it um, on Saturdays. And I, Wyatt Harris is an A plus human being, but um, like I don't think he could guard you or I in space. Um, and and we know that the Oklahoma is going to take advantage of the middle of the field. Um, with whether it's with tight ends, whether it's with the running game, or whether it's just with with the routes that they run, and and they will have whatever they want across the middle because TCU just can't stop anybody. Uh, it's 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 disheartening. I mean, we just we aren't used to seeing this. Like you said, defense has been our thing. Uh, this is as bad a TCU defense as I've seen in a long time. Though they're getting better week by week. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were going to play Oklahoma, maybe in a month. I'd, I'd feel a little bit like this wouldn't be a 13 and a half spread, but um, I, I just, I'm very concerned for what's going to happen Saturday night, Norman. And so this, this comes to my next question is, I mean, and you kind of laid it out for me. I mean, I was going to ask you what advantages you think TCU may have against OU. I mean, do you, do you think, do you think that they'll deploy the same tactics that Nebraska, West Virginia, Kansas state did 
and keeping the ball away from OU and limiting their possessions. Uh, what, do, what do you think the advantages for TCU are? What do you think advantages for OU are? What do you, what do you think about that? Well, let me let me just sum up what being a TCU fan is right now. Um, Gary Patterson having a three score lead for most of the game Saturday night and allowing Max Duggan to only throw the ball 10 times and then saying on Tuesday afternoon, oh, you really doesn't let you run the ball. We're going to have to win this um, with our passing game that we elected not to work on the previous week when we had the opportunity. This is not good for pods because I have no words. I have no words. I have nothing to say to that. Um, So I I think that you can put as many guys in the box as you want against Zach Evans and the dude's going to find a way to get 90 yards, right? Like he's that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Is that kind of good. You got one of those too, though. So it doesn't really help us a whole lot. Um, so I do think TC will be able to run the ball a little bit. And Max Duggan, when he's making good decisions with his legs, is is as hard to tackle as any quarterback, right? Like he 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 yep. can be as effective on the ground or, or more so just because of his experience in Caleb Williams. But we haven't seen him really be a dynamic runner so far this season. Like he legitimately could be banged up. It wouldn't surprise me. But um the, the advantage, I guess, if I were to say anything, I still think that Gary Patterson is a brilliant defensive line. Maybe he mind. Maybe he doesn't have the horses this year. That that could be part of the issue. But I think he'll have a couple wrinkles for the true freshman quarterback uh, that he hasn't seen before. And and the way that you beat Oklahoma is, is we've seen this recipe. It's just really hard to pull off. Is is you've got to keep the ball away from their offense. You can't get beat on the deep ball. And, oh, my, Marvin Mims might have 250 yards Saturday. I, we cannot stop. Cannot stop. I mean, did you see Did you see what SMB received? I mean, Rasheed like, Danny Gray? Like, no, yep. this, this is not great. It's not great. And I think we'll be a little bit better because I think we'll be a little bit more up for this game. But um, but you got to keep the ball away from me. You can't give up too many of the big plays. And then you got to hope, like, you get some lucky bounces. And so true freshman making his first start you know, maybe, maybe there's some, it doesn't seem like he was real, real scared of the the red river rivalry. So I don't think a home game against TCU is going to ruffle the feathers too much, but uh, maybe, maybe you get one or two lucky breaks. Maybe Gary has some exotic blitz blitzes. I know he will. Um, and if they can get there, they can get home before Caleb can get the ball out. I, I mean, I, I think that, that there could be some potential for some wacky things. Um, and we, it, TCU's played pretty close games in Norman most of the time. So mm-hmm. You're going to need weird college football stuff to happen. Um, I mean, you know, if A&M can lose to Mississippi State and beat Alabama, anything can happen. But, like, also, do I – Which was my favorite part about Texas in their personal hell this last week. What a bad day. Like, I did not want A&M – I don't live in Texas anymore, thankfully, so it's not as bad. But, like, I did not need A&M to win that game. But also, like, it was fun watching Texas fans, like, truly suffer. Like, my wife is in Dallas right now because she's training for a new job, and she's in a hotel in Dallas – and she mentioned how many folks after they had attended the game, they're sunburnt and they're all in burnt orange and they're depressed from the game. And they're all at the bar, the hotel bar watching A&M just beat Alabama. And I'm like, what a horrifying experience you, uh, for Texas folks. Almost feel bad for them. Almost. But did you see the dude that went to the Red River rivalry, stormed the field as an OU fan, drove to College Station and it, like that yes. dude's living right. <laughs> that dude's living right. I love that. I love that for him. What a day. So, 
Yeah. So I, are my hopes high? No. Do I think we can cover? Yeah. We'll I'll be happy if we do. That's probably enough for me. I mean, last week was the first time OU had covered all season. <laughs> yeah, but this is a different OU team and you know it. And that's not fair. Yeah. And like, why, why could Spencer have not just gotten it done on Saturday and bought us a week? Not that we've really done a great job against Rattler either, but whatever. It's fine. We just we'll So see. how does this game play out in your opinion? And give me a score prediction. Oh, you're going to make me sad. Um, I think that uh, there's going to be a great boost for Caleb and his first start at home. You know, not that long after hearing his name chanted uh, to come in. He makes his debut. You know, the crowd is going to be so excited to be behind him. I have a feeling they're going to march right down the field to score. Like, too easy. Like, and it's going to make TC fans throw up in their mouths. It's going to be fine. But then I think that the, the Frogs are going to answer because, especially in the first half, you can put points up against Oklahoma, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. like Iowa State. Really bad in the first half, make some really good adjustments in the second half. So I think the Frogs will kind of match them. I, I anticipate there being an early turnover, maybe a strip sack or something, and, and maybe the Frogs get some momentum. But I think coming back after halftime, um, Oklahoma is going to be able to do pretty much what they want to do. Um, I, a score prediction, like, I don't think it'll be a bludgeoning. Like, I don't think it's going to be 50 points on the board. But Mm-mm. but I kind of I kind of feel this is like a maybe this is like a 38, 28 or like a, a, a 41, 33. I, I think we can cover. Um, I could also see things getting really, really out of hand and like, Lincoln being able to kind of call off the dogs here in the late in the game too, and and just kind of wind things down. Um, I don't think I don't think the Sooners can necessarily name their score on Saturday, um, like we've seen them do. I also don't think that TCU will play them quite as tough as West Virginia did. I, I see it kind of being somewhere in the middle. All right. So last but not least, we can't we can't leave without this. Who and 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 and, and I, I I didn't prompt you with this. You're doing a lot. You're doing a lot of hedging here. You're doing a lot of hedging. You're making me very nervous. Who is your favorite Sooner of all time? It does not have to be football or or even athletic related. Oh, man. Um, Wow. I I mean, I have some former students that went to OU. So like that. But no, I, I mean, how do you not like Roy Williams? Right? Like... Like how, like that, that's an easy one. I feel like, especially like for Dallas Cowboys fans and everybody whoa, else. Whoa, 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 never claim that. I am kind of a Cowboys fan, but like, I'm just like, a, I'm, I'm a hibernating Cowboys fan. Like I only come out when it's convenient. Like when the sun is shining, there I am. When they're bad, I'm like, oh, you poor Cowboys fans. I'm not that <laughs> invested. Uh, when they had Andy Dalton, too, totally enough. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Roy Williams is great. Like I said, I've, I've had a lot of former students go to OU. I do like the campus. We had a great time. Um, I went up with some friends. Gosh, was that 20? Would that have been the 2015 year when uh, when Boykin was hurt and like Foster Sawyer started that game and like threw a pass so high up into the clouds that like it started to rain. But then Bram Kohlhausen came in and like it was tip two point conversion away from TC potentially winning that game. Yes. Had yes. a great time. Flew up, uh, drove up last minute. My friend was like, hey, I've got tickets on the 50 yard line. First half was awful. It was cold. It was miserable. The fans were giving it to us. And then like the second half, we had so much fun, like even with the fan base and everything. It was a great experience. I don't. I don't harbor near the hatred for OU that I do for, for some of these other teams, nay, Texas, even I'm soft. I'm softening on Baylor a little bit. Cause I do like, I don't want to, I still haven't forgotten, but I'm, I'm softening. I'm not there yet, but I'm softening. Um, okay. But, but I, I'm still not like 
quite I may I may be able to root for a Caleb Williams led Sooners team in the playoffs. Could not root for Baker. Really couldn't root for Kyler either. Like not not nothing to his fault. Definitely was not a team Spencer person. Like could not stand like that dude attitude so much. Um, but but Caleb Williams is like a really great human being and a really good kid and like he's going to be hard to hate so while I hate the fact that like you have dominated us since 2014 and made us look really silly a lot of the times in the process um I don't I don't feel any ill will towards towards Oklahoma fans um and the fan base is pretty legit too well Melissa thank you for coming on and do us a favor and tell everybody where they can find your stuff and I'm going to tell everybody before you say all this Melissa's awesome at what she does. She's not only an awesome like, editor, she's not only awesome at Frogs of War, she's also she she also is in the classroom and is an awesome person in general. But go ahead and tell us where we can find oh, your stuff. Thank you. I can make I, I, it's been a rough week. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I would love for you guys to give me a follow if you want to see just sad tweeting um on Saturday <laughs> night. Uh most Saturday nights, it turns out this season, but I'm at the coach Melissa. On Twitter, uh, you can find me at Frogs of War, of course, where I do most of my writing. Uh, Jamie and I will jump on, probably do a post game as well Saturday night. So, like, again, if you just want to have, like, just see sad frog fans, like, that's where we are. So, um, but, yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. It's always a great time coming on with you and talking talking football, um, even if it, this is as low as my hopes have been going into a game. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. You never know. Well, thanks for coming on, and we'll hope for a good game this Saturday, all right? Yeah, entertaining game. I don't even need a win. Just let it be close at the end. That's all I care about. All right, man. See ya. See ya. Well, now I'm joined by good old Stephen Brown. Now, it's it's a busy day. It's a busy day. So we're just getting back into it. Uh, I'm good. Pretty good day. So this is what I got from Melissa. The TCU, because because you, you you like for for those that are, are unaware, uh, uh, we uh, Melissa came on and then and Stephen just got into the just got into the software and is unaware of what Melissa said. Basically, from the TCU perspective or from Melissa's perspective, uh, they are concerned and they their defense has definitely taken steps back and of course gary patterson everybody knows he's a liar and max duggan and zach and zach evans and everybody else is going to play and but what we need to talk about is the what 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 just happened today right which part we got we got binoculars Okay, got snipers on the roofs. What what, what are your thoughts on that? What 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 are your what are your, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, because like M- Melissa, because this is because Melissa, she she's she's an educator, and she, I believe in, in journalism as well. And so uh, after all this stuff went down, I've got I got messages from people uh, from the Daily. I'm not going to name them at all. Um, saying like some saying hey that was cool some saying uh are we screwed for the rest of the season <laughs> regarding rink lincoln riley press conferences what's your what's your point of view on this uh i'm somewhere in the middle on it because if i'm lincoln riley obviously i don't want people peeping in on my practices especially when you're going to, going against gary patterson um, a guy who's known to uh keep things a secret uh from time and time again so 
Um, I do get what Lincoln's going after as far as just kind of closing off uh, media availability just to kind of send a message out there. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's kind of an asshole move by Lincoln or, or Josie or whoever you want to blame on that one. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I totally agree. I mean, as because at first it was like ca- practices can't or not practice, but me availability, uh, availability is canceled. And I was trying to find out why I, I, my head was in the, in the sand all day. And then I go and find out why and I was like, Holy, Holy God, they, they did this. And then somebody went and Google earthed and circled where people were looking at from binoculars and where the practice facility was. And they're like, yeah, they just got binoculars out. And even in the report, they mentioned the binoculars. Just so interesting and intriguing. As yeah, far I don't as... know if I would have included that. Yeah, if I... I was like from the reporter side, I would not have said uh, where I was or what I was using. And so, and, and that's the thing that I'm. I was talking about earlier um, about Twitter. I was like, well, if you if you wanted like Lincoln Riley, he's almost. To, I mean, not almost, maybe even worse than Stoops as far as keeping things close to the chest. I mean, and Stoops was the same guy that said Jermaine Gresham had a strain and it was an ACL tear, right? And so like everything to Lincoln Riley is a lower leg injury. And and so if you think you had limited access now, well, what do you think is going to come on the opposite end? But at the same time, I mean, talking to Alan Kenny, uh, talking to to Chuck Cheney, who used to be the editor uh, editor of uh, Thunder Digest, and they and of course the the idea of credibility, uh, validity in their research and in 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 their in 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 what they're doing and as journalists or aspiring journalists, I kind I, I get it. I I understand why they put that in there, and so but nonetheless. QB one, Caleb Williams is coming Saturday. Thoughts? Was there any other choice for that? I mean, like, because I think everyone after Saturday, there's no way, right? After Saturday, there's no way turning back, right? Well, after Monday, I think when uh, Spencer Rattler allegedly mispracticed, and now we know that he was given the day off. Um, allegedly, th- allegedly, um, there was no way they were going to start Spencer Rattler after that because. I mean, you look at a guy that, yes, he got benched, and now he needs a day off to kind of get his head together. I mean, that doesn't really make sense if you're ultimately, uh, you know, the Heisman front runner or whatever you want to call it. I'm um, in the Heisman chase. You're the guy that's supposed to be the uh, the quarterback of this year and lead lead this team to a championship, and now you're taking a day off because you don't feel good because you got benched. I mean, the being a competitor, you just don't do that, essentially. This is what I boil down to. I mean, and this was this is all this was always my fear of Spencer Rattler. And I, I I've talked to you about this. I've talked to mm-hmm. uh, people in, in our groups, in our circles that the QB one under the lights Netflix series about how he went about his teammates and how he in in it never really changed it felt like it it never really changed as far as how he was as a quarterback how he was as a leader on his team a lot of things that he's done has is, is never really his fault um like i mean like remember remember the two lane game 
30 of 39, over 75% completion rate. He has two interceptions, I believe. He should have had a third, and he has roughly four drops. At the end of the game, instead of establishing things he could have done better, the first thing he mentions is drops. That's really that's a no-no. That's a lot of what I needed to hear. That's a really only the only thing I needed to hear. Yeah. And it's it's important to acknowledge that yes, although he may be liked among some of his teammates, because I don't believe he's liked among all of his teammates, to be quite frank. And 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 it's and, and it feels like I'm piling on him, and I, I'm not meaning to, but there's a difference between being liked as a teammate and being respected as a teammate. And I, I fully believe Spencer Rattler was never truly respected as a teammate, uh, as a leader as, but I think Caleb Williams, it was quite clear. The team had his back and the team, he lifted the team up as much as the, as he lifted, as he lifted them up. I mean, it's just a total 180 as what we saw. And so during the game, of last Saturday we saw, which was just like incredible in general. I I kept on thinking about what is Spencer Rattler's internal monologue? What is he thinking right. right now? I mean, like you see, you know, the Caleb Williams package on fourth and one, he, he, he dodges a tackle. He breaks another tackle and goes 66 dives to the pylon touchdown. And in, in there's just like, he doesn't go congratulate him. There's they, they, they view each other kind of as adversaries instead of teammates, which I think was really interesting. And so I want to talk about something pretty briefly that was brought up to me last year that I never really mentioned because it wasn't relevant. And I'm not going to say this with 100% confidence as far as this 100% was the way it transpired, but this is what kind of maybe was communicated that Mayfield Baker Mayfield suggested to Lincoln Riley at a certain point in time that if Caleb Williams is as advertised as a player on the field with Spencer Rattler's attitude in not attitude as far as like him having a bad attitude, but with his demeanor, and and Caleb Williams is close and maybe even makes the, the offense more dynamic. Lincoln Riley may have a problem on his hands. And because we and we've talked about this before. Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, it felt like they never viewed each other as teammates. It felt like they never really acknowledged each other. Whereas you got Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Baker Mayfield even comes out and says in 2017 that he knew Kyler Murray was likely the better quarterback than him. And they viewed each other as teammates and they supported each other in their successes on the field. And, and it was an incredible, it was, it was incredible to see that as a team leader. And you didn't see that from Spencer Rattler at all regarding Caleb Williams. You saw, you saw a guy that was fearful of his job, maybe being taken away. Do you, what, what is your opinion on that? Well, I think you're absolutely spot on because you can go back and look at that. Uh, I think it was, it was the two-point conversion. He kind of just jogs off the field. And Drake Stoops has to, you know, ch- chase him down and, you know, give him a high five, pat on the back, 
you know, keep your head in this game. We need you, that kind of stuff. He was defeated. I mean, in his mind, he, he just defeated himself. And even you could just see the talent kind of took over at some point. But this isn't a guy that was ready to lead an offense or even a team at that point, especially when you're a team captain. So um, you can tell that there's an ego there and that it's pretty bruised at the moment. And it, it, there, are, there are totally different comparisons to draw from this. I mean, you can have shades of Jason White and Nate Hibble, right? Nate mm-hmm. Hibble's in the game, not doing well. Jason White comes in. This is when Jason White was in mobile, remember, when he was like, he could actually do spin moves and stuff before both of his both of his ACLs just went out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and then he took over, of course, the next season. Uh, then the next season, he has an, an, more injuries to his knees. But, I mean, you also draw tendencies from Troy Aikman and Jamil Holloway, right? And, and of course, Aikman yeah. got hurt, and Holloway took over. And, and Spencer Rattler, the only thing hurt on him is, is his pride right now, I, I would imagine. I mean, and don't get me wrong, and and, and, I, and you're not under this illusion either. Spencer Rattler is a good quarterback. He is a talented, talented, talented quarterback. I think he's immature. I think he has very a very low sense of pocket awareness and i think he doesn't necessarily play with in the offense and i think because sometimes he tries to make up for his mistakes he tries for those big routes and i i, I just don't think it plays well for him it, it, what do you think i think one of the things we kind of ignored is maybe the fact that if you're looking after the florida game of last season uh maybe your biggest fear was that Spencer Rattler kind of in his head thought he's finally made it. You know, like I, I finally the anointed made it. one. Yeah. I'm the guy that I thought I was. Everyone thinks I'm the guy I think I am. And there's nothing really I need to do different to prepare for the season. So um, you could tell that there wasn't much improvement over the off season. I mean, he's still a very good quarterback. The talent's there, mm-hmm. uh, but as a football player, there just wasn't that much development. And I, I I just don't understand why, right? Because you look at Caleb Williams and what he was able to do to a Texas defense that's relatively soft. And you look at Spencer Rattler. I mean, the man runs straight into pressure. He like yeah. several games. It's not it's not just a one game sample. You saw him run into pressure against Tulane. You saw him run into pressure against Nebraska, West Virginia. You name it, he his pocket awareness is not good. It, it's just not there. And then he would actively look off checkdowns. Like he's just going see, through the motions, essentially. And, and, and I I can't see how Lincoln Riley, in good conscience, could say like. And of course, you would have you would have confidence in your guys. And he wants to he he. And I imagine it. He didn't want to pull Spencer Rattler, but. You go back to the Bob Stoops regime and Bob Stoops way of thinking as far as like the, the running backs, man, he, he's throwing an interception and he gets pissed off at Austin Stogner, despite the fact that Stogner's trying to find green grass and Rattler, if he would have thrown it to Stogner, would have gotten lit up. Uh, and the other, and of course, the, the same thing that happened last year, another fumble running straight into pressure of the t- Texas defensive line. And so you put in Caleb Williams and then all of a sudden your offense starts ticking. 
and going and going and going. And, oh, there's an explosive play here. There's an explosive play there. So how does Caleb Williams change this offense? Because instead of now putting two safeties high, it's no longer the case, right? You can't put two safeties high against the Caleb Williams-led offense. Right. I mean, you look at just what he does with his legs. That just adds another element that the defense has to account for. Not that Spencer Rattler didn't have pretty good runs um, while he was a starter, but Caleb Williams is a home run threat if you allow him to be, and I don't think defenses are going to just let him run all over the place. But at the same time, he's shown that he can beat you with his arm. He's not afraid to take those one-on-one deep shots to Marvin Mims, who obviously, um, if you give him a chance, he's going to come down with it. So um, he's a guy that's either going to beat you deep or beat you with their legs. So um, this offense just became a lot more deadlier. It became a lot, a lot more versatile um, in a lot of ways because then you also open up the running game for, for Kennedy Brooks as well. You've got an extra guy to cover, and you can mm-hmm. open up the playbook a little bit more. I mean, play action it, will work. It's weird to me to think about how much more mobile Baker Mayfield is than Spencer Rattler. Is is that weird to think about? Yeah, Baker wasn't necessarily an all star or all star runner, but he was just very scrappy. He could get he could move the chains, and he knows when to run and when not to run. And he also had great pocket awareness, right? Right. I mean, he knew how to escape the pocket, get on the run, roll out, do all kinds of... Eyes remember, in the back of his head kind of guy. Remember 2015 where he ran for his life several times and on the opposite end of running for his <laughs> life would end up throwing like 30 yards downfield? Just unbelievable things. And these are the things that you kind of are given to Caleb Williams as far as he He's has got a moxie. sense of pocket awareness. He's got moxie. He's... He's got swagger. He's got pocket awareness. He's got strength. He's got a, he he's elusive a little bit. He's got legs. He's got wheels, and he's got a strong arm. I mean, he's the splitting of those two Texas defenders after he drops the snap. That ball was on a freaking frozen rope, and the fact that he shows that in the biggest game of the season and probably the most rowdiest crowd of the season that you're going to see. That's going to be like that. That's probably going to be the rowdiest crowd. He's going to see all year. Right. I mean, in just in that, in that atmosphere and you've seen Spencer wilt in that atmosphere, two years in a row, you insert Caleb Williams and all of a sudden things click, things are going better. And he's also playing within the offense. Check down here, check down there. And taking what the offense, what what the defense gives him, and then it's saying like our own Kenneth Murray would say, who is now with the Chargers, fuck it, Mims is down there somewhere, just throw it up, right? I mean, I mean, like, and in those positions on one on ones, more often than not, the receivers come down with the ball more than the, the the defensive backs, especially when you recruit elite wide receivers. And so I just thought it was so incredible and so rattler's still with the team like allegedly yes, he's st- allegedly right he, he he was still with the team he practiced with the second teamers but moving on to other news this week right oklahoma secured probably the biggest defensive prospect maybe since gerald mccoy slash tommy harris right that that might be the best recruiting win of the decade like oh my god maybe since adrian peterson just as far as just a recruit that you absolutely have to have 
Like, this is a guy that can play multiple positions on the defensive line. This is a guy that's built for the SEC. This is a guy that's coming in. He, I think he's already six foot three, 270. He could stand mm-hmm. to add another 20-ish pounds to his frame. He's a guy that's quick off the edge. He's a guy that can bull rush, swim around you. Shades of Ed Oliver in the NFL. Shades of a little bit of Miles Garrett in the NFL. Just mm-hmm. complete player uh, out of Lakeland. And he he has some family ties in Norman, Oklahoma, so that also helps. But Right, both his parents are alumni and, of the and, university. So. And, and I know you follow recruiting a little bit closer than I do. Give me a breakdown of this guy. What is OU getting in Gabriel Dindy? It's a little bit tougher to, to break down because this film is just so cut up. He doesn't really kind of put his film together like, like other recruits do. Right. But um, he's a guy, I think, probably closer to a little bit of Ed Oliver than, than Miles Garrett just because he's not he's not a super long guy. Obviously, he's a big dude, 6'3", 270, 280 at the moment. But uh, uh, just an amazing first step, a lot of power in his game. Uh, just a freak athlete that you would see – they would see in the SEC essentially. He'd be he'd be that that star player for Georgia or Alabama, and now all of a sudden Oklahoma finds themselves with he'll probably be one of the best pass rushers in the nation during his, his time in uh, at, uh, in Norman. So this is a huge get. Uh, I don't think I mean you could say Gerald McCoy because that's kind of the comparison there as being a defensive lineman, but just as far as an overall recruit. Uh, the number three player in the nation is just now now in, in Oklahoma's hands, and he's a defensive tackle. So, and, um, and huge win. Not even to mention the good news, or likely good news, that may be coming out of the Tulsa area relatively mm-hmm. soon for the Sooners. And I mean, McClellan away, and and Gentry Williams, and I mean, my goodness, I mean, two two months ago, this was doom and gloom. And now you're looking at the recruiting class of 2022 and seeing the the defensive class they're bringing in on top of what they're bringing in offensively, despite the wide receivers they've lost. I mean, my goodness, you're talking about moving to the SEC, talking about Oklahoma bulking up on defense. I mean, Gentry Williams, a guy that Oklahoma fans m- thought maybe was interested in USC, but people always thought he was maybe likely to end up at OU. But McClellan, who everybody thought Ohio State now right. maybe leaning toward OU. I mean, talk about just a complete different shift in what OU is going to be able to do. And I mean, they're already really, really good in run defense this year. Oklahoma, I mean, I think they're limiting opponents to below 100 yards a game on the ground. And Bijan Robinson, I mean, I think he only had 120 yards. And you take you take one of his explosive plays away, and I mean the guy just gets snuffed out, especially in the entire mm-hmm. second half of that game. And so it just huge, huge signing for a huge commitment for OU. He has still have to get to signing day, right? But I would imagine uh, uh, Dindy is an early signee. Yep, but they'll want to get him on campus as soon as possible because he of is. Course. He's going to be the plug and play guy that you can you can take out of high school, and he's going to be a star for you right away. And this is some. And going on to TCU, mm-hmm. Melissa mentioned this, and of course, like it's the same thing as Lincoln Riley. Who who's going to be the quarterback next week, right? <laughs> Lincoln Riley, and then you have 
Gary Patterson saying, oh, well, you know, Max Duggan might not play and Zach Evans might not play. And we got a couple wide receivers that might not play. You got an offensive lineman that might not play. Nobody believes you, Gary. Everybody knows Max Duggan is playing. Everybody knows Zach Evans is going to play that damn game. Stop lying it's the lies it's the it's the skylar howard or what thompson whatever is for kansas state situation all over again yeah just gamesmanship upon gamesmanship i mean it's it's not like lincoln it's not like gary patterson didn't look at what happened saturday and think okay yeah oh he's definitely going going with spencer rattler after that he like he's going to game plan for caleb williams but i mean it's just why why even mention is it just gamesmanship is it is it is that all what it, it is or is, is it trolling it is. is it trolling to an extent i could see gary patterson being a little bit of a troll because he just takes himself so serious i think he could have like a little little side troll to him but uh, i think it's it's more just games gamesmanship like who are you going to prepare for fortunately for oklahoma um your two main threats would be duggan and evans um and they do very well against the run at the moment so um, my, my concern would be if a guy like Quentin Johnson came back, um, and we know how soft Oklahoma secondary is, especially, especially with, uh, with Jane Davis in there and he's Quentin Johnson is a deep threat. So, um, they will exp- try to exploit that, that matchup as much as possible. I wonder how many reps Latrell McCutcheon gets this week because of probably a thousand. I, I, I just kept on thinking about Latrell McCutcheon because like, you saw no passes going DJ Graham's way, right? Like, I don't think they passed to him once. Can you think exactly? I went back and looked through the game. I and I'm, I'm still I'm I'm still trying to like get in my mind and think. Did they throw towards DJ? They I they they threw they threw to toward DJ Graham once or twice, but everything was at Jaden Davis. Yep, and of course it didn't help. Not having Delarian Turner yell on the t- uh, back. I mean, like they, they had him back for a play, right? Um, it, it was too early. Maybe he's back this week. I I, I would expect Isaiah Coe maybe back this week. Mm-hmm. Do we do we know anything about that. do we know anything about Jalen Redmond's status? Um, I would assume he's at least a couple more weeks away. Maybe he surprises people, but I because think we knew be... we knew he would not be available for the Texas game. But right. after that, it was kind of a crapshoot. I'd probably give it like another week or two before we start hearing his name. I don't think he'll he'll reappear this this week. And so, but no, yeah, that and that's one of the things that Melissa mentioned was getting some of those wide receivers back for TCU. That could be explosive. But at the same time, she mentioned hell. I mean, SMU, the former Sooners, Tanner Mordecai and Grant Calcaterra just tearing those dudes to shreds. She's, she even mentioned herself that they, I said, I was trying to be kind. Uh, as I said, you know, TCU's calling card and Gary Patterson is defense and they've regressed mm-hmm. a little bit. She's like, no, they're not hot garbage. They're lukewarm garbage. Oklahoma <laughs> is going to be able to put up points on TCU. And in Gary Patterson mentioning how Oklahoma is going to key in on the run. They're going to key in on spying Max Duggan. They're going to key in on stopping Zach Evans. And, you know, Max Duggan is not a guy that is necessarily known for his arm accuracy, despite the fact that he can't is a good, he can be a good quarterback. I mean, 
he put OU, he's been he's put OU in a bind the last couple of years. I mean, regardless of how, how talented or how not talented TCU has been, just by the sheer size of him and his legs. And but she mentioned, I mean, he's got he's got a strong arm and mm. a guy that's a burner that could get past a used secondary, like you mentioned, can be of concern. And going back to Rattler and Caleb Williams. Let's acknowledge this. How important is it to be viewed as a leader in comparison to simply as respected? Because like I said earlier, Rattler, I think he's a leader of the team. He's a team captain. Remember that year that Trevor Knight was the captain of the team? Well, Baker Mayfield was (laughs) the quarterback, but I digress. But Rattler's a captain. Now, did he earn? Did he earn being a captain? I don't. We don't know. That's we what I was going to ask earlier. Is it just because he's the quarterback of the team and he was the anointed one after la- after what we saw last season? After we saw him grow, who knows? We're not. We're not in those coaches' offices. But at the same time, what's the difference between being liked as a leader and being respected as a leader? And how does that translate to the football field? Because it was evident that Caleb Williams is respected among his teammates. I think a good example of this, and I think some of this might just be kind of kind of hearsay, but you look at Jalen Hurts as a guy that I think once he walked in the locker room, everybody respected him just because of what he did at Alabama, um, the kind of leader he is, the way he talks, the way he walks. Um, he looks the part of a leader. Um, but you know, towards the end of the season, there's no denying that there was kind of some rumors out there that maybe the way he, he conducts himself is a little bit of annoying to the team, you know, going out and, and filming a video right after being beat or something like that. Um, but there's no question that when Jalen Hurts walked in the room, he was a guy that a majority of the team respected, right? If he said something, everyone, you know, stopped and listened. So um, with Spencer Rattler, I just don't see him being that guy, uh, whether it be respected or liked. I think he's probably liked more than people want to admit. But um, as a leader, he just really hasn't shown too much. I could sit now. I could see him being liked as a hype man. Like, right. I could see him like being liked as a hype man. And let's, you know, let's go get shit done. Let's go score. Let's go punch it in the end zone, etc. But I don't necessarily view him as like, like like you just said, there are people in our lives. Like you said, like Jalen hurts, uh, Baker Mayfield, a Kyler Murray Mm -hmm. guys that when they speak, the room shuts the hell up and they listen. And I don't see that in Spencer Rattler. I see that in Caleb Kelly. I see, I see that in Jeremiah Hall. Uh, I, I don't at all see that in Spencer Rattler. And I see that Caleb Williams goes in actively celebrates with his teammates and actively is going up and dapping everybody up after that. Not that Spencer Rattler didn't cause he did, but it wasn't the Caleb Williams show. It was him knowing that, Hey, he fumbled like three or four snaps by the way, but him also acknowledging I'm going to go throw his deep pass to Marvin Mims down the field, and I'm going to run my ass down the field and smack his helmet a few times, and let's go do it again. That kind of mentality is what you want to see 
and just keep on keep just just keep on keeping on really just like you just keep on turning it out and keep on going on with this process and i think what you saw from him on this last saturday if his teammates already didn't respect Caleb Williams i think you see them respect him this week i think you see them respond to him a lot more this week and you know this saturday it's an it's a night game it's 6:30 you know the camera is going to be on Spencer Rattler half that game. Right. Oh, they're going to zoom in on during the game. Exactly. Kind of like uh, I mean, like the T- or Tennessee game where they kind of kept checking on Trevor Knight to see what he was doing on the sideline while OU struggled. Now, I don't I don't predict OU struggling in this game, but I feel like it's going to be the same thing where there's going to have a camera on, on Spencer Rattler the entire time. Oh, I agree. I, I All right, let's play a game. Over, under. Eight and a half times they talk, they talk about him and make in while they're on defense or maybe while they're even on offense, they pan the camera right over to him on the sideline. Eight and a half. I will happily take the over on that one. I think it's going to be an all game conversation. Interesting. I don't, I don't think they're going to distract from, especially after uh, today's news and the the whole drama that the people are getting shut out and the media is being shut out and that kind of stuff. So, I think they'll make it a point that they want to know what's going on and they have think, an opinion. Do you think this means OU is going to have to portal in a quarterback uh, in the spring semester? Uh, I've gone back and forth on that. I'm not exactly sure they need to because I think they feel pretty confident in that uh, the walk on Ralph Rucker. Um, so if they needed to, they could just promote him to a scholarship. And I think they would feel pretty comfortable um, with him being their backup quarterback. So. I could see them getting a guy, um, maybe like a they've grad got Bowens. or something. Yeah, they got Bowens. We'll see how that that pans out, but um, maybe a grad transfer, a one year guy at most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they feel pretty confident with their their current backup. All right, so back to TCU. What do you actually see happening in this game? I haven't really got a chance to kind of dissect it as much as I want to. It's been a pretty busy week for me. Um, I do think Oklahoma is going to go back to that run game pretty heavy in the first quarter. Um, In previous games, we kind of see Oklahoma try to get out fast and and throw and get over the top. I think they're going to try to establish that run very early and often because it's going to open up so much for Caleb Williams and as well as the, the passing game. See, I, I have, tr- I have trouble thinking about this because on one end I agree, right? Because you want to get him comfortable at the same time. I can see Gary Patterson putting eight dudes in the box and being like, beat us. Right. Like, yeah, that's a very classic Patterson. And I, I could see OU just running a ton of bubble screens or, or basically fake bubble screens and having a go route where you fake the bubble screen and draw the safety up and just throw it down the sideline. Cause Melissa, when she was on was very, very worried about Marvin Mims. Like super worried. That's a valid worry. I would be worried about a guy like Mike Williams too, or Mike Woods, sorry, Mike Woods or or even Mario Williams too. Mario Williams and then the guy that fits that bill. So, um, those, those names, those are guys that we've seen t- uh, flashes of talent from, 
Um, and if this offense really kind of collects how we think it is, I think there'd be very, very big names. In the, in the, in the, like we said earlier, the, the playbook opens a little bit more now. Now you have, instead of defending 10 guys and Spencer kind of stick around in the pocket and running when he needed to in the second half of games, now you got a Caleb Williams. Guy is moxie. He's got confidence. He's not short on confidence at all. I mean, talk about throwing off your back foot while hopping in the air, just like sailing that ball like a moonshot. And it just happens that Mims gets and basically boxes out his defender and catches the ball. And then, of course, you have the another the immaculate reception that he has in the end zone, third and 19. I mean, in, now instead of having 10 guys, you have another guy to account for that's going to take the eyes of linebackers. And it's, it's, it's going to be, I'm, I'm curious. It's going to be interesting in that play that direct snap to Kennedy Brooks. That's something that doesn't work with Spencer Rattler in the game. Right. No, cause he's not an established runner. And no and, one's really going to fall for that. It's such an interesting wrinkle in the fact that, you know, that's something that Lincoln Riley had ready for the rest of the year for Caleb Williams, but while he's in the game, might as well use it. And it worked all three times and all three times they ran that play. It was for more than like 15 to 20 yards. So every, all the games into the Texas game, you talk about, man, Oklahoma, they just haven't been explosive. They haven't been explosive. They haven't been explosive. And then you insert Caleb Williams and it's explosive play one after the other, one after the other, not just on the ground, but through the air. It's unbelievable how that changed on a dime. Now, again, Texas defense, they want, they wanted to brag about how they assembled the best possible coaching staff. And then Oklahoma just completely came in there and <laughs> shit all over their defense in the second half. I think Caleb Williams, what, what 588 yards that, that he racked up as the leading quarterback of that offense. Oh my gosh. Like unbelievable. So what are your, before, before we get off here, what are your keys to the game? And give me your prediction. Again, this spread is 13 and a half. The over and the under is 65. So what are your keys to the game? What's the score prediction? I think the keys to the game for that one is just stop the run. Um, TCU is known as a running team. They have two very talented runners. Um, so you have to stop that run first to be able to kind of get a foothold in this game. And I think another thing would be uh, pass rush because we saw it last week when OU was struggling to cover the pass, they just sold out on the pass rush and it worked out for them. They were able to get the quarterback. Um, Isaiah Thomas had a big game. Nick Benito had a big game. So you get those guys involved pretty quick. Um, it kind of takes a load off that, that back end of the defense, that secondary. So pass rushes would, would be a big thing in this, this game heading in, uh, into it's in Norman, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. In Norman. So I think uh, defensively, it all it's all up front. I don't really have too much confidence in the secondary, but we'll see. Um, offensively, I think you just have to establish a run. I don't think TCU is a very good running defense by any means. And then once you establish that run, maybe you get some things going over the top, but I think you get Kennedy Brooks involved early and often. 
Do you think it's possible that Oklahoma has an emotional hangover from Texas and starts slow? I can see it. That's that was a very emotional game. The ups and downs. Um, obviously, all the publicity that came with it following the, like the next following days. So um, it's going to be even into Riley. today. Yeah, it's it's even more so, and that's kind of the weird thing um, about what happened today was Lincoln Riley might not want a big story to distract this team and it just keeps getting bigger. So um, it's going to be on his shoulders to keep this game focused. I think in a lot of ways, we'll see how well Caleb Williams is as a leader, as a true freshman um, coming to this game and kind of, kind of getting things dialed in. And I would say keys to the game because I mean, Oklahoma, a lot of the times, because I think TCU is going to do, or is going to try to do, despite what Melissa said, because they do have some burners at wide receivers. I think what TCU is going to try to do is what West Virginia did, what Nebraska did, what everybody else did besides Tulane and in Texas. I think they're going to try to limit possessions. And, and uh, so I think Oklahoma is going to sell out on the run and say, Max Duggan beat us with your arm. And that kind of scares me a little bit, considering what we've seen from Jaden Davis so far this season if I could get some duct tape and tape Woody Washington's muscle back onto his bone, <laughs> uh, I in just ha- or or if I could donate any limbs for him, I would to get him back out there for coverage sake. But also the linebacker play might has not been that great. But then y- you entered a Danny Stutzman for last mm-hmm. week, and it was it wasn't. I mean. It wasn't the best, right? But it improved. And there was noticeable improvement. And then you go into the next week where you've got an offensive line that's still like they're they're a little bit injured uh, in TCU. Their offensive line, I think, is probably a little bit better in Texas. Uh, but at the same time, two totally different quarterbacks, right? You got Casey Thompson who has a little bit more speed to him. He's a little, he, Casey Thompson was a little more bulky than I thought he was actually going to, to be. And that's probably a, a thing of what their summer conditioning program was like, but you got Max Duggan, who's hard to bring down and he's got some wheels on him and he's got a rocket for an arm, but not necessarily the best accuracy. You got Zach Evans, who we know his story at Georgia and Gary Patterson needed a playmaker and he got a playmaker in Zach Evans, but Oklahoma, <laughs> Uh, you got to be worried about turnovers. I mean, the way to beat Oklahoma and Norman is this limit their possessions, takeaways and score on those takeaways. And and, and that's really the formula to beat OU. And, and that's, that's the way it's been done this year. I mean, almost for like several games, but also the last few years. And so I'm not saying this game is going to be like really, really close as it was last week. Uh, I mean, it was a seven point game. Oh, you actually ended up covering the spread for the first time all year, which is wild to think about. But I think it's, I think it's interesting. And and Melissa suggested it could be like a 41, like 28 game or a 38, 28 game. And that's something that I kind of vibe with as well. What, 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 what is, what, what score prediction would you maybe have? I'd go something like because I don't think this this game's gonna be very close. I think Oklahoma's gonna kind of feed off the energy of Caleb Williams. This offense can finally score, and we saw last season when this offense gets going, 
it really puts an emphasis on the defense and they want to go out there and get the ball back. Um, and when the offense is struggling, you see def- the defense kind of be a little bit more lackluster. So I think they play much more complimentary in football. I'll go, uh, I'll go Oklahoma 41 TCU 17. Wow. Really? Yeah. Dang. You are far more confident than I, because let's say OU has the special teams edge. They've got right. a great punter in Turk, who is a transfer from Arizona State. Mm-hmm. You've got Burkich that can kick from basically the from the from the, from the fifty if he wanted to. Uh, you've got an offense that looks like it might be turning the page on being explosive once again, and a defense when motivated. I don't under I and especially when you have your players back, right? But when motivated, especially the defensive line along the defensive front, can actually turn on the game and go. And so I think Oklahoma, they're better than TCU. They have better depth. They should win this game. They should win it convincingly. But that hasn't been the story so far this year. But that was when Spencer Rattler's at the helm. Now you're looking at Caleb Williams, a guy that I think his teammates respect, a guy that I think his teammates will rally around him. And I got, I think that adds a totally new dynamic to this offense that we saw with Jalen hurts, but spent, but Caleb can actually spin the ball a little bit better. Uh, you, but also shades of Kylo Murray, but of course he doesn't have as much as accuracy on his balls yet, as well as he's of course, not as agile or as fast as Kylo Murray. So like kind of like in between those two guys, I mean, how would you, what, what, what comparison would you draw to Caleb Williams? Because I went through all of his, I went back to his profiles from all of his recruiting profiles. And a lot of people were all over the board as far as comparisons to how they would view uh, Caleb Williams. One of them was Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. um, And these are guys from like two, four, seven sports. One of them was Dak Prescott from uh, Mississippi State, which I thought was like actually, I was like, hey, that kind of even even their 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 frame of body makes sense. I can't land on a comparison. Is he just unique in himself, or what do you think? He's a little unique. I kind of like the Dak uh, comparison. I don't think it's um, you know a hundred percent, but of course they have similarities to their game, and I think. Um, as runners, they're they're good runners. They're they're uh, they're not like Kyler Murray by any means, but they can get you some yards. And obviously, both of them have very big arms. So I like that Dak comparison. Um, another one. Oh my god, I can't remember his name. He played for Kansas back. It was the 2008 season. Was it the Orange Bowl team? I believe so. Is that I mean, Todd Reesing. It was. I think there's a might be a little bit of Todd Reesing. Um, and Caleb Williams game as well. So um, none of the, none of those are direct comparisons, but obviously there's some similarities between the games. Looking forward to Saturday. I'm, I'm, I, I, can you imagine how oh, you loud, seem excited? Can you imagine how loud this crowd is going to be once Caleb Williams is announced as the starter uh, pregame? Should we go on a hypothetical and, and suggest what happens if Spencer Rattler jogs out there? Do you think there's going to be some booze? Oh, my gosh. Dude. Does he get booed before the game even starts? If because if he's jogging out there? Because you you know you know in the Jumbotron, they're like, oh, these are projected starters. 
And of course, they'll, they'll name the quarterback last. And my worry is that they're going to say Spencer Rattler, right? Because that's who has always been in, in Lincoln. Right. I was like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to name a QB. We'll see Saturday. Right. Even though we all know. My worry is that they're going to say Spencer Rattler on the jumbotron and it won't just be the student section booing. It'll be 83,000 booing in favor of <laughs> Caleb. And I think that would, because confidence, especially confidence is a big thing in basketball, but confidence for quarterbacks is not everything, but it's a lot. And to get booed like that on that stage, not just among your peers, but an entire stadium, I think would it, it's it's already the end. He's going to transfer. I mean, if, unless something else goes wrong and Spencer Rattler ends up being the starting quarterback for the rest of the year due to something else. But I, I can't imagine what that would look like. It'd be ugly, but I think... I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll put Caleb Williams in. Um, I love the crowd in Texas. It was it was loud. Uh, hopefully, they bring that back for for Norman because we've we've talked about it for years. The crowd in Norman's a little bit tame, so hopefully, they bring some of that wild back. And and Caleb Williams is kind of that catalyst for it. You're gonna see, you're gonna see a lot of sunburnt people that went to the game, and then in Dallas, <laughs> and that are gonna be in Norman. They're gonna have their faces just red, and they're gonna be peeling. But that's all I've got. I mean, like we're, we're running over in like an hour and a half. Do you, you have anything else? I'm good. You, all right. Well, guys, go ahead and follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. Go ahead and give us some follow on Twitter. If you guys are on Twitter, at CC Machine, at J. Larry Shields. Jack could make it today. Uh, follow me at Kamarabi and CCM. You can follow Steven at OUUpdatedSB. Uh, go follow Melissa from Frogs Award. She's an awesome follow, and they do great work at Frogs Award as well. And looking forward to a game this Saturday. Looking forward to Caleb Williams getting his first real start under the lights in Norman, 6.30 p.m., night kickoff. All, all the eyes will be on those TV screens. Should be an interesting game and should be an interesting welcome for Caleb Williams, who's going to be viewed as Superman. Um, check you guys later.